Welcome to the Lee Bishop Studio here in Las Vegas, Las Vegas, Nevada. If you ever need a logo, be sure to check out Lee Bishop Designs on Facebook, of course. He designed our logo, as you can see on the video. And if you're listening on the podcast, you can check it out on Twitter. You'll see it or Instagram everywhere. We do have a lot to get to today. Uh, we're going to be talking about TJ's coaching during senior night. Which I'm bo- very bothered by. But Questionable. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, the Houston Astros scandal that is looming over the MLB right now. Also questionable. <laughs> very questionable. Uh, Tony Grossi's uh, comments on Baker Mayfield. Just about them in general and also something else that I'll talk about. Hilarious. <laughs> kind of. It, it's, I don't know, we'll get to it. Uh, Giannis Attentacumpo and Harden's beef. That's like... All the talk right now, of course. Spicy. Uh, the rise of Zion Williamson since he's come back from injury. And uh, we will debate our top, our list of the top five most marketable players of all time, or athletes, I should say. Yes, this is this is a, a it's just pr- torn a pretty, apart friendships. This is a pretty heavy point of contention. This is yeah. okay. So we're in a group chat with a bunch of our friends online, and um, this is like Spencer was like relatively new to the group chat, and this is the first time he ever sparked like a heavy debate. <laughs> like it's like a rite of passage for you to like for you to bring a topic up that gets <laughs> that like like pisses a bunch of people off. To people where get they, angry. To where they're yeah. like arguing. It's, so it's, I was really proud of intense. him for, in that moment. All right. Uh, we'll get right into it. First segment called Face the Facts. Like, it's a fact. The UNOV Running Rebels started all of their seniors on senior night for the first, let's say, five minutes of the game. This is kind of baloney, in my opinion. I get how important senior night is. I remember my senior night when I played basketball in high school. I really do. However, we were playing Boise State, the third team in the Mountain West who are one game of, like ab- above us in the standings. Look, we're getting ready for the Mountain West tournament after having some of the most massive wins of the season after starting very slow. First of all, am I crazy for being upset about this? No, it doesn't really seem like like you have your like priorities in check if that's like kind of what this is a must win game. It was a must win You're game. You're heading into the Mountain West tournament, you need as advantageous as a position as possible. So like what do you do? The, if let me, if some of your seniors are clearly not like your best rotation players or the best players that you would like if you wouldn't start them Normally, why why is this why is this something that you're partaking in? So let's break down the starting lineup, shall we? You got Amari Hart. They won the game. They won the game. They won the game. Uh, We'll get into the the uh, specifics of the game in a second. But they started Amari Hardy, Mitra Long, which I was very excited about. But you have uh, Bryce Hamilton, of course. But then you have Nick Blair and Sheeble as your four and five. I mean, you have three players in Amari Hardy, Blair. And Sheeble, who are not very efficient scorers. Blair doesn't look... I don't think Blair's ever attempted a shot in his career, <laughs> to be honest with you. And Sheeble doesn't belong in the starting lineup, let's be honest. And you go five minutes, you know how many points they scored in the first five minutes? Just take a guess. Give me like an over-under. Ten. They scored eight points in the first five minutes. They scored two points in the oh, first five minutes. Shit! I looked at I looked at my boss Brian Feldman. I <laughs> That's said, "So funny! This is the worst offensive lineup that I can possibly imagine for this team." And I was absolutely right. Now they limited Boise State to two points themselves, and the, it was a two-two score in the first five minutes of the game. That's ugly. You don't. You shouldn't take cre- like be proud of that. But you want to know what else is funny about that? Four points in the first five minutes. The over/under was one forty. <laughs> what do you, do you think it went over or under? 
one four. It's about seventy points per team. Um, they had scored four points in the first five. So minutes. I, I'm guessing the fact that you bring it up, brought <laughs> yeah. it up means they hit the, they end up hitting the over. They do end up hitting the over. That's hilarious. Through some through like sheer. I it honestly was the craziest thing. Someone who I was with the game with had a bet on the over and they were like crying and just <laughs> the crazy events at the end of the game. It actually ends up going over by like a free throw. Anyways. To be completely honest with you, it was a coaching disaster class from TJ that night, and he, none of the media people like really got after him after the game because they won. And I do understand that there are there is no such thing as a bad loss; it just doesn't exist because you won the game or a bad win. Excuse me, but we had a thirty point lead, and it went as low as twelve in the last couple minutes of the game. And they, like I was getting nervous too. I was like, "Are they going to blow this game?" Like, because they were hitting like just endless threes. And I do remember one specific moment that I think encapsulate, encapsulates all of this. There was a rebound at the end of the game. Bryce Hamilton got it, and he went on a fast break with like two minutes left. You're up twelve. Is that not a coach? That's a failure on coaching. Is it? What do not? you mean? What was the game situation? So there's you're up by twelve, right? It's getting really, it's getting kind of nervously close with two minutes left in the game. You're up twelve with how much time left? Like two minutes thirty seconds. Okay. UNLV's up twelve. You grab the re- yes, you grab the rebound and you go on a fast break. Yeah, you want to get some quick points. What's you want to run the clock out, don't you? I mean, yeah, and I, I don't know. I don't. I think I don't. What twelve? It, there's not a whole bunch of 12-point leads in uh, two-minute game situations that aren't like pretty safe. But I can I can understand you wanting to like get you hold the if you hold that ball, you're going down to like the 140-ish sure. time slot. I also don't think that's wrong. I think if you if you can see if if you can get like quick points to get that lead to a, closer to a point where it's insurmountable. Like now you have now it's a it's a fourteen point game in two minutes that that seems that seems a little bit bigger than it's what like I call a timeout know. and I bench every person involved in that fast break. Interesting. That's I, that's bad coaching. First of all, if you coach your team out of a thirty point lead, you got to call a timeout and talk to them about this. I sure. Mean, the, you can't blow a thirty point lead at the end of that because you're taking that performance into the Mountain West tournament. I agree. It's not yeah. acceptable to me. Okay. I, I was very upset at the end of that game. It was a very Again, there is no such thing as a bad win, but that's a bad win, in my opinion. Okay. To have dominated the team that's slightly, like, barely above you in the standings, like, that's a very important game. To barely win it, knowing that you you have a very good chance of facing them in the Mountain West tournament. And if you place them, I have no faith in you and I'll be winning that game. I really don't. There's my rant about uh, TJ Otzelberger. Still gonna get him on the podcast. He's gonna fight you one day, man. <laughs> He's a very nice guy. He's I honestly, kick, I honestly have nothing personal against him. He's gonna just, kick the door into the studio. I just thought studio. that was a very bad, badly coached game. I really do. He's gonna kick in the door to this studio and just start slapping you, silly. <laughs> I'm ready. We'll get into it. All right, let's move on to the second segment: the Houston Astros. <sighs> we haven't. I'm just kind of bummed out about this. To be honest with you, we haven't talked about the subject, but it is very. It's very important to me. Okay, set the set the set the table here before we before we really okay. get into it. So the investigations stuff. have essentially stopped because the commissioner went to the players' association to interview the Houston Astro players involved in it, and the the player union said, "You can talk to them all you want, but if you do, every single player you interview has immunity from punishment." That so doesn't really let's, seem. Let's like talk about a this due process. Let's talk about this first. Should the player union have protected players like this? Um, this is where you get into like, like dicey territory with unions in general. Like, 
they want to protect like you want to protect players off like from you know kind of like being exploited and manipulated by uh the, their uh, existing power structures but at one point can you like look at something and be like this is indefensible behavior you're clearly violating the rules of engagement here and we can't help you and that's right that doesn't seem to be happening here you know this is a two-sided affair for me because I do understand the players' association protecting these players because you're the players' union. You know, you're supposed to; those are your guys. Those are what make up your association. On the other side, these same players have essentially stabbed you in the back, right? In terms of what they cheated, like they cheated against the very players that you're trying to protect. Like they've broken the rules, so. Should you really protect players that are going against the very fundamentals of baseball itself? I don't think anyone who breaks the rules should get protected by the union. Like, that's... But, I mean, like I said before, you are the players' union, so, like, the idea that you're protecting your players no matter what, I guess, is kind of a strong statement, but honestly, it looks pretty bad, in my opinion. Well, like, if... It's almost, like, to the point where it's like, okay, we've kind of done everything we need to do, short of finding literal physical smoking gun evidence that they had done this like literal video of them doing it in the act like it's pretty like oh you guys did this and you're not even like really one they've already apologized for it in a really poor apology attempt and two it's just like pretty much everyone knows they're not like denying it people are people are like contextualizing it in certain ways being like oh if you don't know like there was the one one dude who was like oh if you don't know the whole story you should just shut up like but like do you really think you can just kind of just slide this under the rug and, and no one's going to want answers or, or follow up on it? I think that's really foolish uh, of of anyone to think, especially people who are involved in the Astros organization. I just think this is like a White Sox throwing the World Series type of event that like almost It's the baseball. biggest cheating scandal of the modern era of baseball. It's just all their punishment is they lost a couple of, of picks in the draft. Like who cares, first of all? And like $2 million. So... Tell me if I'm wrong, seriously, because I'm ready to accept that I'm wrong. This is just my thought. If you're a kid, you know, as a kid, you have conversations with your friends, right? Like, you know, if you talk to your parents and your parents tell you, hey, man, you know, cheating's wrong, right? And you're like, yes, mom, yes, dad. And you're like, you're kind of being honest, but, you know, you're going to have, whether anyone believes it or not, you're going to have those conversations with your baseball buddies outside and you're going to get together and you're going to have this discussion like during a sleepover or something or like, guys the houston astros cheated and they got away with it like what should we think about that am i crazy for saying that i'm thinking like this is bad for future generations of baseball like kids like they're seeing adults cheat and win the highest award possible in baseball is that sending a wrong like is that do you think that's like sending a wrong message of course sending a wrong message but do you think it's actually affecting the minds of young children i think it is i don't know like if i'd go that far like obviously people are gonna see it and be like oh that's bad but i don't think like the immediate mind like the mind of a child will immediately be like well i can cheat too now and it'll be cool but i think like when like when people grow older and they're faced with situations like that they could think back to this scenario and be like well if that happened like we should be good you know what i mean yeah i don't know i'm just it really i love baseball like listening to baseball is my favorite sport to listen to on the radio i just think it's such a great game and 
it's this is looming over like major league baseball right now it's no doubt it's gonna be like the the thing that's kind of like preemptively on everybody's mind when they watch baseball this year especially when they watch yeah Astros it's gonna be talking about over the it's this is the it's gonna be the main topic of the entire season of baseball so, even during the postseason it's probably gonna be the the biggest trending topic so as far as um like the whole scenario the situation where manfred is talking about like people who are gonna throw bean balls at uh astros players like where do you fall on that i hope they do uh, but like there's like, like and i know that he said that oh you yeah, can't punishment implications i don't think anyone that. cares like i don't know if you're gonna be able to stop them like you're they, not you, and you sh- like, honestly like you put in your worst pitcher just to, like on opening day you go in there you t- if anyone's willing to step up and do it say look kid I, i'm not going to tell you to go because at that point this batter but if, it's if up to the, you if you're the players union what do you do then like <laughs> you know i don't know i really don't and i i don't think i don't think there's any stopping the players from doing this i think players are willing to accept suspensions for doing this I mean, yeah, there's... Um, as long as the first pitcher does it on opening day, I think every team will There's just been through. no goodwill, like, attempt on the end of the Astros to just kind of, like, rebuild that, not even, like, trust, but, like, just respect for for the other teams in the league. So. Respect for the game of baseball. And just respect, yeah, respect for the game, respect for your, your fellow players. It's kind of just been like, okay, we're just gonna lay low and try and hope you guys all forget about this. No, none of them's get, nobody's gonna fucking forget about this. You know, you won the World Series. I mean, you can't forget about it. So, if it was up to me, they would lose their World Series, of course, and they'd be banned for the next two postseasons. They're still slated to win like ninety games this season. So, if they, even if, without Cole, like if they make the playoffs this year and like make a run. It's going to be gross. It's It's not going to look good for baseball at all. And baseball already looks really bad because they haven't been able to figure out this scandal that everyone knows happened. Mm -hmm. And just like, just say something. Like, there's there's been nothing different. Like, no one's ever said something definitive about it. Like, like that. No one, no one in the higher ups. Players are just lying so much about. Like, they don't have a hard line stance on it. Like, players have made it very clear how they feel. Like they are not afraid. Usually, some people like. Usually, when you have a, a like some kind of scandal, as it relates to the the overall sport, people usually try and tiptoe about it. Players are very clear, very adamant, and explicit in how they feel about this and what they kind of intend to do about it. So, I hope it's, I hope it's going to be worth it for the Astros because they're going to get a lot of bean balls this year. There, it like, is worth it. Am I? I if you're an owner and you have the option to cheat, I'm not saying cheating's wrong. If it wins you a World Series, like if you know you can get away with it, <laughs> they got away with it. Like the, by def- I mean, yeah, like they won, like they won. They didn't get caught while they were winning the World Series. They won the World Series, and, and it's not being out. taken away from them. Yeah, so I guess you know what's wrong with Major League Baseball as far as um, power rankings for for league commissioners. Manfred's got to be like way at the bottom. Right now he is. I don't like. I didn't even think you could like. Goodell is in the middle of a huge CBA thing, and that is just this new CBA is getting shit canned by. Goodell is so happy right now. I would say, and people aren't even thinking about that right now. (laughs) Not even a little. Everyone's just like Manfred is the devil. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, well, we'll move on from that depressing topic. But I did. It is something I wanted to mention because we haven't had a full discussion about it. But it seems like everyone like he's like basically telling everyone to move on, and that's a very bad stance to take. Anyways, 
another depressing topic, I guess, or maybe a little more light. This is hilarious. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Tony Grossi, he got in really big trouble recently. Who's Tony Grossi, first of all? He's a reporter for ES. I think he's, I think he's like a, a <laughs> Cleveland radio writer, per- right? He's a local Cleveland radio personality, for, yeah. I believe. And he was caught off camera, off mic, calling yeah, yeah. Baker Mayfield a quote. Listen to me this. He said, quote, he called him a fucking midget. Now let me start off by saying I do not condone such I do not condone such language, nor do I use the word in my regular <laughs> vernacular. With that being said, the media could not handle it. It took me ten minutes because I saw on Twitter like, oh, he's in big trouble. I saw his apology. I couldn't find what he said for like ten minutes. Every website said he said bleeping bleep. I don't know what that means. I'm, it was it was a failure in modern media. It's a quote, a quote. Is everyone? Are we in kindergarten? Are we afraid that our green card's going to get changed out for a red card or whatever? Like seriously, be a reporter. I'm a sports analyst. I quoted him. I didn't say that. <laughs> so. Yeah, uh, Tony Grossi is a radio host uh, for ES uh, Cleveland's division of ESPN, and basically was talking about like obviously the NFL Combine is going on right now, so it's kind of like a pertinent topic of conversation. You would talk about uh, how you know the the speculation around Baker Mayfield when he was getting drafted around his uh, you know his his results of the Combine, so they caught him on a hot mic calling him a quote fucking midget. So. Um, <laughs> this was kind of uh is your is your biggest thing about this how the media covered yes. it i mean that i mean it, look you shouldn't call someone that off mic or on mic whatever but it just annoys me that people are so afraid to just say anything now it's like even if it's a quote from someone else like you can't even say it yeah i feel like you gotta at least be able to attribute like just tell the people you're a journalist report you should i'm willing to die if i found a juicy like if if i found a juicy story and i think it was life-threatening i'm willing to take it to my grave this is nowhere near that level and people are afraid to write it in writing even though it's not their own quote i mean it's ridiculous but people people making fun of baker mayfield will never not be funny to me though so I understand. He had to get suspended. There's no sure. There's yeah, no you making, can't say that. There's no making an excuse. Oh, you have to get suspended for that. <laughs> for uh, for him saying that, you and that's obviously like you very say insensitive. Like yeah, that, it's yeah. obviously insensitive and rude, and you shouldn't. He he deserves to have been suspended indefinitely. But um, people poo pooing on Baker Mayfield is always funny to me. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if he can bounce back in his junior season. That's all I wanted to say about that. I was very upset. Let's get into the, the pure meat and potatoes of this of this <laughs> episode. Right. How about it, huh? Four segments. Everyone's favorite segment. Oh, that's hot. We're getting very hot today. We need to get that sound bite like ready to drop when we when we start the segment. Can you pull it up? Yeah. Uh, introduce our uh, our first right. part of our first. Uh, the first topic we'll bring up is some a, real hot goss. <laughs> it, it is. It's hot tea. Is that what is that what the kids say? Hot tea. There's tea. There, there's tea here. <laughs> uh, James Harden has recently said something about Giannis Antetokounmpo that <laughs> that I'm not sure. That's hot. How, how, that's hot. That's hot. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Harden says if I was seven feet tall and whatever, I could dunk. Okay, let me let me uh, provide some context here. Um, James Harden sat down with Rachel Nichols from ESPN, uh, mainly to discuss the heart, uh, the Rockets' small ball lineup. They they're essentially like running five guards now um, in their in their starting five, and so they it 
you know, it became, it was about that, like that was the, the pretext of the interview, but it came around to more about the, uh, the underlying beef that he apparently has with, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, so it, this, the, the, the centerpiece around it this time was how Giannis was referring to James Harden during like the all-star draft in that like Harden wasn't a guy that wouldn't he wanted a guy that would pass on his team so that's why he took Kemba Walker over James Harden that's why Giannis lost by the way <laughs> garbage I think he would have won if garbage personnel James decisions Harden. absolutely terrible Kemba was terrible at the end of that game too just terrible personnel decisions you wanted at least Harden like looked like I he think belonged the Celtics on the floor. are confirmed not making the finals now this year by the way why the way I saw Kemba perform in crunch time even if it was an all-star game there was a lot of pressure in that game and Did you see Jason Tatum lately I know, but I'm saying like the ball's going to be in his hands come the last two minutes of the game. Kemba I'm Walker. not sure if I'm not sure I would give it to anyone other than Jason Tatum right now after what I've seen. I know. But anyway, but what I'm saying is he had those terrible turnovers, so I don't know. Am I am I reading too far into the All Star game? Oh, that's hot. That's hot. <laughs> that's hot. Um. <laughs> so it it was more centered around the fact that, uh, and then even in the game, like I think. Giannis threw an elbow at James Harden. Like, it was pretty rough. They got pretty rough between them. They don't like each other. There's always been, like, kind of, like, subtle jabs back and forth, especially when it was, they were kind of, like, the the two guys last year. The past two years, they've, they've been, like, the top two guys in the MVP race. So now, you know, once he has his interview with Rachel Nichols, it shifts the conversation to, you know, like, um, you know, a mis- what Harden believes to be like a mischaracterization of his skills in that like, oh, he's what, like 10th in the league in assists. He's like a top 10, you know, assists. he probably, I would say he's a top five passer in the league. And so he was like, you know, at the end of the day, like that takes legitimate skill to do. Like it's to be, a, a, you know, as good of a passer as I am. And for what Giannis is primarily good at, which is which he described to be running and dunking and being seven feet tall, uh, that takes no skill. So, obviously, players born after 2007, all they know is be tall, dunk, (laughs) not shoot threes. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, uh, that's that was kind of that kind of start sparked a uh, a lively debate this morning on, on the Twitter machine. And with a lot of people, you know, either following, falling in uh, Harden's corner and that, like, not even in support of James Harden, but just in support of saying that Giannis is not like a, an uber skilled player. So it begs a question with you and me here today. Is he correct? No. You don't think he's, you don't think he's right? Because we've had tons of, like, JaVale McGee could technically be Giannis, right? I mean, their metrics are... I mean, honestly, Staggeringly yeah. like, pretty to say similar, that, right? To say that, Gian, like, obviously it's an exaggeration to say Giannis isn't skilled, but um, I look at it more in the context specifically between the two of them. Okay. I think James Harden is infinitely more skilled of a basketball player than Giannis is. I think the things that James Harden is good at, like, are good at, like, take way longer of a time to develop into, like, being as useful as they are for him in an NBA game than it does for Giannis. Giannis was just... Giannis just took steroids one year and looked like Cap- the Nigerian <laughs> Captain America. I will say this though: learning to use your body at that kind of size of and course. do it the way he does—that takes a. We've ne- well, first we've never seen it before, right? Yeah, because even even Giannis himself came into the league and he wasn't—he didn't look like the way he does now. He wasn't as physically imposing, not even close. So, like, but at the same time, 
what we've seen from Harden too is just like is Harden as much of a of one or a, yeah like a generational player as Giannis is though I want to say yes there's no one who's like he's the most prolific scorer since like Kareem I think there's just no one who who scores as easily as he does. If he didn't play in the D'Antoni offense, would he be as prolific of a scorer? I mean, does it does that matter? Because now, any, well, I mean, D'Antoni's no, not going to be there next no, but, season. Well, yeah, but like now, it's going to be he's established the rapport for himself now because whatever coach comes in is going to have to play by that that style because that's how he wants to play, and that's how like the Rockets are going to get like the most out of him. So you would opinion. say that James Harden is equally as unique as Giannis Antetokounmpo in different ways yes but I think so I tend to disagree with you there why mostly because we've never seen a player like Giannis Antetokounmpo like in the same league as him sure like someone that big just being able to just essentially as a guard at that but we've seen some but how good of a guard is he like an above average he's gonna win back to back MVP awards I mean yeah like that's I mean, that's not new, though. People winning back-to-back MVPs, Jordan did that. No, I'm just saying, like, at the size of a center, he's playing, like, a two-guard type of position. Sure. But at the same time, how, have you, how many people have you seen score at the rate of James, that James Harden? I'm not trying to discredit James Harden. No, too. of course like, not. Like, definitely not, of course. I mean, he's doing things that we haven't seen in a long time. Not ever. It was just things that we haven't seen in a long time. So, it's just they're so different a player, so it is very strange to compare the two. I think if you're born in Giannis's body, it's easier to become that. Like JaVale could have been that. Like I don't want to like, know okay, though. No. But we're saying no. that, but no, there's no, no, like no. numerous hold players on, hold in the on, NBA who've never hold on. done it. Right? I want to complete. I want to retract what I just said. I don't want it to be misconstrued anyway. Cl- I'm going to clip that for social <laughs> and just loop it. JaVale McGee could not be Giannis in a million years. He's not smart enough. Okay, that's his basketball IQ is not high enough. But I would say that like anyone who's born in a similar physical profile Could. who comes up in this environment of basketball where it's like especially because Giannis played in Europe too like that's the the prior the prioritization of European basketball is different than it is in American basketball especially when you're coming up through that system so I think I do feel like that's yet to be seen I feel like it's way easier said than done though. so you think we'll see another James Harden before we see another Giannis oh for sure yeah that's just I mean that's just the kind of league we live in now interesting you don't think so I mean, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you could say Trey Young is like the next James Harden. Pretty much, right? I mean, yeah, but I don't know. So, <laughs> I I think it's hard. I think it's harder to do. Like, I honestly like if it's so easy for James Harden to do. Like, what is he averaging? Like, what's he averaging this year? Like, it's down. I know it's down this year because so he's West still West. averaging thirty five points per game. That's fucking crazy. It's very casual. It's the most casual 35 points I've ever seen in my entire life. You could say that in the same breath for Giannis with some of his like 18 rebound, 28 point games in like 15 minutes or whatever, you know what I'm I saying? I mean, yeah, but like it's not that uh, if we're talking specifically about looking at a stat line and being like, whoa, like we've seen Shaq do that. You know what I mean? But he, but Giannis is a more skilled player than Shaq Of is. course. Yeah. So, I mean, that also has to factor into it. I don't know. I'm just looking at it specifically through the context of this argument. Like when it's 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 Giannis thinking that like quite literal skills Harden has more skills. Yes. I I I will exactly. agree with you on that. That's the but. point I'm trying to make here. 
is that like I'm I'm looking at what Giannis says and he's like, oh, Harden doesn't pass. Harden doesn't do this or this or this. He doesn't have the handle or as Kemba does, even though he clearly does. That kind of thing. Like Harden has more snatched ankles than Kemba in the last couple of years. I will say this too. If Harden had been in the East and this, well, you know what? F it. Even last year, if if James Harden was in the league or in the East over the past few years, I think he would have been in the finals at least once. And Giannis was not able to do it. What do you think about that? I mean, they're both they're both a, as far as like they're similar in the sense of like it's they're whatever they rely on can only carry them so far as it as it stands right now. The way Harden plays can only carry him to a certain point in the Eastern in the Western Conference Finals, right? And then the way um, the way the the way that Giannis plays, like you can coach around that because we've seen it. You know what I mean? But as far like what I'm saying is as What's, far as like the hold on, but as far as like what I'm saying as far as the argument between the two of them is that Giannis thinks that like Harden doesn't pass or whatever and he doesn't have the handle or something like that. There's there's like a beef there, but it's like. Th- you have to like you're gonna have to get a little more nuance than that. Obviously, like James Harden is a very good passer. He is a very good ball handler. So, and what like obviously Harden is exaggerating when he says it takes no skill to to do what Giannis does. It's just run and dunk. Obviously, that's a mischaracterization of Giannis too. But it's also it's like that is what his game is largely predicated on is just being like physically overpowering people. Switch them. Switch their teams right now. Giannis goes to the Rockets and Harden <laughs> goes to the Bucks. Does any team have more of an advantage going to the finals? I think the I think the Bucks have more of an advantage with with Harden. You think so? You think he do you think Harden's Bucks could get to the finals this year? Oh, yeah, well, uh, yeah. I do. So you think they have a better chance But with also Harden? I think that I think that the Rockets could get to the finals with Giannis because they don't have a center. <laughs> if it was Russell Westbrook and Giannis? It's a very interesting experiment. To it's think about. Russell Westbrook and Giannis, but then you in a, in, a, in I gotta Milwaukee, say, for some have... reason, I think the Bucks have a better chance of making the finals harder than they do with Giannis. Is that weird to say? I think the funny thing is, I think both of those teams like meet each other in the finals. <laughs> <laughs> if you swap, if you swap, it does kind of feel that way because you you make up for the size difference in Houston, basically. Like you fill that gap. No, it's just while not like, while, yeah. while not losing like a lot of skill. Yeah. So in Houston, you have like just the two most physically overpowering players in the <laughs> league on one team, and then in Milwaukee, you would have James Harden like being on a strong sh- defensive like, team it, with space and just being able to shoot. It's basically it's basically what the uh, what the Rockets are right now, but better defensively and with better shooters <laughs> so it's like if you so that's weird to, to answer that inevitable question that's always going to be asked in those situations oh what if they swap teams yeah. it's like they probably both go to the finals they might be both better off <laughs> i didn't i didn't expect that when i posed the question to be honest but the more i think about it i think i think we're right about this <laughs> I think that's gonna wrap it up for that debate. I don't know what else to say. I mean, yeah. We, Anytime you got, if you guys have, I might put it up on Twitter. Actually, I'll put it up. Um, I'll put it in the next they, chat if too. If they switch teams, like who would be who would be better off? Who would be better off? Yeah. Uh, we'll switch on to someone who has come very hot into the league after missing the first quarter, pretty much half of the year. Yeah, almost half. Zion Williamson. He has. Let me pose a question: Has he lived up to the hype? Yes or no? It's really hard to say that right now. He's played like less than twenty games, I think. Um, but the the early returns are very good. Like it, he's doing exactly what you like. Kind of like, it's not even like you, 
I don't even want to say people are surprised or people should be surprised because like I know people like doubted he'd even be able to be this good but it's like you see it it's just like no one's gonna in the league's gonna be able to handle this you know what I mean physically he jumps five feet in the air like clears five feet in the air to catch a rebound and he seems to like be a powerhouse like just have like a lot of energy I mean physically speaking he is the most physically imposing player except for like what LeBron James and Giannis attempted at his position I think yeah yeah I mean it's insane so with that he has definitely lived up to the hype and but if there is a disappointing part of his game thus far into the season that I've personally felt is his playmaking he is a turnover problem he has a turnover problem without a doubt he has like dribbled into players numerous times and he's honestly not making the passes that I would fully expect it sounds like I'm being much more negative on on them than I am also his shooting form is just not there like it's not going to be able to so he currently has a negative assist to turnover ratio 2.3 assists and two and a half turnovers per game so yeah um but he's also averaging 23. I mean, yeah, you, <laughs> see, you, you see, like, on the court, the on court product, like, a lot of the times the Pelicans play is, hey, just yuck it to him in the post and he'll, like, get a layup or a foul or something like that. What's his free throw shooting percentage? He's shooting 61% from the line, 62. So there are definitely, there are definite problems in his game. So I would say but it's also been he's, slightly disappointing. But I, mm, I don't know if you can look at his numbers and be like, I expected a little more. You know what I mean? I expected he's more than a negative old. assist turnover ratio. He's 19 years old, dude. R.J. Barrett and John Morant do not have negative assisted turnover ratios. I'm pretty sure ratios. R.J. might have, <laughs> might have a negative one. Hold on. I haven't. I don't see him as someone. I know. I know. Jaw doesn't. Jaw. Jaw definitely does not have a yeah. have a negative one. I don't um, expect it to be great in in his rookie season or any. R.J. Rookie. is just barely above the yeah the zero in the assisted. It's just that Zion was marketed as this huge. Like playmaking forward, I always like, thought like LeBron esque type of playmaker. I honestly thought I didn't. I don't think anyone was billing him as LeBron level playmaker, honestly, because LeBron's going to retire as the all time leader in assists. But like, I always looked at Zion's playmaking as an underrated aspect of his game. I just his always like the calling card for Zion, in my opinion, was always just how physically overpowering he was on offense. And that part has been advertised. I think the rest of it is just like he's a 19-year-old kid trying to figure out, like, navigate through 13 games played, navigate like how to you know fit in in, in an NBA like system, and you know getting used to getting a good feel for his teammates who have already played a half of like an entire half of a season together. So as far as like I don't think I'm. This is about what I expected him just being able to just score. And in ways that we're just like, I don't expect, I don't know how anyone is supposed to stop this. And then he just stands to improve. Like as he gets smarter and more experienced, this is, this is very scary stuff. Is it a stretch to say he's raw right now? Yes. It's not a he's stretch. He's a raw product. He's not, it's not a stretch at all, actually. He's very raw. But the fact that he's scoring 20, 24 points per game as one, just like looking at the way he scores, it's just like, I'm going to like put this ball in this basket and you can try and get in the way, but I will like, you may like hurt yourself trying to stop me from scoring right now. The Pelicans have a positive record with him playing. Right I'm not sure they do actually. Let me, uh, let me see. But what, what else is like, what else have you noticed about his game? Why I've tried and figure that out. I just, like I mentioned before, I do worry about his shooting form and he like has the ability to knock down an open three. I, 
he's not shooting great from downtown to what might forty one percent. Yeah, but on forty one percent, but on forty one percent on less than a less than one shot per game. Yeah, and I think that stat is honestly inflated because of his first outing, like literally his first outing. Because there's he shot like he had like he had like three or four. Yeah. So if he didn't hit those first like four threes or whatever, I think it'd be closer to like thirty. And I always worry about shooting uh, reconstruction products or productions with, when it comes to young players. So I don't really know what to do about that. Um, I'm, the Pelicans are yeah. not. They've they're like they've only won like three games since Zion uh, joined the lineup. What's his win share percentage? His win shares. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> We're getting into some really advanced stats here. Oh my God, I don't even know what what's like his what's his what's his plus minus. What's let's go with that. His box plus minus. Yeah. Uh, his box plus minus overall yeah. is two point four. So they are bad. better with him. Basically, so not bad. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Those are something. I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on Zion. I just know that he's been like a huge topic and. It's just exciting. First of all, it's just exciting to watch him play. Like he is still one of the most market. <laughs> this is kind of transitioning to the next time, but he is Hold one on. of the most marketable players I think we've ever seen. Definitely, in definitely. A kid had a million Instagram followers before he stepped foot on Duke's campus. You like that Lakers Pelican games? I don't know what the TV ratings for for that, but probably I think, high. I think everybody was watching that game. It's just people gravitate towards him, and he. he he lives up to like the excitement of watching him. Like he he knows that people are watching him, and he like plays to that kind of energy, which is crazy. It's a it's a rare talent to be able to do that. It's so funny because you would think that the the storyline for that is like these young Lakers play, or young Pelicans players, like Brandon Ingram is like had an All Star season, is having an All Star season this year, and Lonzo Ball is like healthy and contributing like hitting threes at a very like good yeah rate. he's like probably having he's probably having his best season and you would think that's the story coming in like oh this is their revenge game it's been washed it's away it's no one, yeah no one i don't think anyone even discussed no one that. cared no one even, <laughs> yeah dude the in the game they played brandon ingram had 34 points <laughs> no one's even talking about that it doesn't matter no it's crazy like he actually like has his revenge game well they lost but you know he has this dominating performance because the lakers who let him go and you couldn't find a single tweet about it basically <laughs> I don't, that's I, just the pool what was I going to talk about? I was going to say one last thing. Okay. Um, I want you to be as objective as possible here. <laughs> All right. All right. You know what I'm about to ask you. I don't. Um, I want you to try and just be clear, level-headed, by the books, by the numbers as you can. What does Zion have to do to still to win Rookie of the Year? They'd have to make the playoffs. They'd have to I think that's what it comes down to. What if the Grizzlies don't make the playoffs? What if they both? What if both the Pelicans? I and just the think Grizzlies to make up for the lost time, you have to make the playoffs to like bring you up because like statistically speaking like jaw hasn't beaten most categories i think for points i think that's zion is currently beating john points i know so I'm, oh okay i'm um, saying like on, let me holistically because uh john Murray also has like the player of the month awards on him too okay i think that also plays a factor all right so i'm gonna read zion's stat line to you it's he's currently at currently per game sitting at 23.3 points excuse me 7.1 rebounds 2.3 assists, 57% from the field, and 41% from three, uh, shooting 62% from the line, an effective field goal percentage of 58.5. His PER is 25.4. His win shares are actually 1.2. Um, if he keeps that stat line up for the rest, if he ends the season with that stat line and he plays what? How many games left? 35, 38 games. Can you, give him rookie, can you justify giving him rookie of the year if he keeps that stat line up? 
compared to compared uh, before you answer, yeah, compared, let's compare this compared numbers. to John Morant, who's currently sitting at seventeen point five points, three point four rebounds, six point eight assists, shooting forty nine percent from the field and thirty four percent from three, uh, and seventy seven percent from the line, with his per being seventy seventeen point seven and two point six win shares. I just think holistically because of like the Grizzlies expectations going into the seasons two were to be like a bottom three team in the league and he's like he himself has elevated them to like the A seed for what it is right now if the Pelicans were able to leapfrog them in the standings I think at that point you would have to give it to Zion just because like his impact was that powerful that it yeah. just put them above them but if it ends right now and the Grizzlies are just even above the Pelicans in the standings I see you have to give it to Jaw just because he has the 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 brass like the player of the month or the rookie of the month awards on him but like i said if they were able to to jump above them in the standings i think you could justify giving it to zion even though i think that the league still probably wouldn't i can agree with that um the selection process for these values games played very highly so if if it were going to be like it would have to be something that kind of trumps that for for them to for for me to realistically think Zion personally, I think like if you're gonna get, I I think you should just go to the best player, like the player who played the best at, at that as a rookie or whatever. And so personally, I would think that me, I think if Zion can keep it up for the rest of the season, he should get it. But I realistically, like what I believe will happen is if that I agree with you, the Pelicans don't make the playoffs, it's probably not going to happen. Um, like you said, Ja Ja has too many games on film where it's just and and too many instances where he has contributed to his team uh to being at the point where again they're they're in playoff contention still so um it's hard to make an argument against John Morant is that is what I'm saying it's 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 not hard to make an an argument for Zion Williamson just because he can if he if he keeps putting up these numbers it's like that's incomprehensible for a rookie you know what I mean but you you can't use that to argue against John Morant in my opinion so I still think he's pretty much the front runner. I would, I agree with you. A lot would have to happen before, yeah. before he gets deep. He isn't the front runner. He isn't right now, but he can earn it. Is mm-hmm. basically, I think, the final statements. Like we can both agree on there. All right. This is it. This is the the debate that has torn friendships okay. apart and <laughs> caused more debate than I ever thought it would. Let's let's set the scene here. For some reason, okay. What what made you want to to pose this this uh. I just thought about it. I thought it'd be a fun segment. Okay, so Spencer comes into the group chat. I like to test the waters in the group chat. Spencer, yeah, he like to see if if something is interesting (laughs) enough to talk about. So he comes into the group chat and he goes, who are like the top five most marketable? Or like, who's the most marketable? You said the one, right? I said, who's the top five most marketable players, athletes in the world? Yes. Of all time. Of all time. And so for the next hour, we (laughs) we were all yelling at each other for it. So uh, we're bringing it here to the podcast to to tr- finally duke it out and and get definitive about it. So why don't we why don't we start with your top five most marketable players? We'll start with number five for okay. both of us. All right, what do you got? <laughs> you know who it is. Number five is Babe Ruth. So stupid. Let me tell you why. <laughs> Let me tell you why. First of all, we didn't so we didn't live in that era, so we don't really know the true impact of it. But through vigorous research, I have determined that in his prime, like during his time of being the best player in baseball his marketability saved major league baseball like from collapsing he came at a time right after the white Sox. uh what's it called fix the, the world Sox, series yeah the black Sox scandal yeah where they fixed the actual world series and people are like i don't even want to watch baseball anymore he came in as 
the guy, the face of all of baseball, like the biggest name in baseball. He was a one of the first celebrity baseball players, and that was back in a time where players used to have second jobs, that kind of thing. He was making more money than the president, and when they asked Thomas. him about it, he said, "Of course, I had a better year than him." Like his essence and the way he brought himself to the game, he was Major League Baseball during his time of playing. That makes you, to me, that makes you one of the most marketable players of all time. My issue with you, and when when we talk about this, is what what do you what denotes marketability? You know what I mean? So like, like I hold on. So I like. I can I can recognize and acknowledge Babe Ruth's legacy as the man who saved baseball after the Black Sox scandal and during World War II and all of that shit. Like, that's that's not really you can't dispute that. But can I like I like go to school for this stuff to a degree. So it's like when I when you talk about marketability, it's like someone who is useful to like brands as far as like someone who stands out and 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 brands stand to benefit from using their image and stuff like that. I don't think Babe Ruth is like that kind of guy like that's my guys are all like my list is populated with those kinds of people and when we start talk, like and i think you can like the the members of my list you can like measure it more by the numbers more empirically like their impact marketing wise well that's why I, that's why this list is market marketable and not marketed it's like imagine if mike trout was like the biggest celebrity in the country that's what babe ruth was the, <laughs> See, I think because Mike Trout's boring, <laughs> but we can both agree on that. Like, he isn't a very marketable player. <laughs> My thing is, if you brought Babe Ruth into the t- like twenty first no, 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 century, no, 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 I think no. that's not Mike, that is not what I we're think, talking no, about. No, but I think he'd be Mike Trout. I think that's the same like thing. No, he wasn't though, because he had one of the biggest personalities in sports history. Babe Ruth did. He was as popular and as good at the time as Mike Trout, but people loved him and adored him, and. Baseball marketed him as the major as MLB, and he also played for the biggest franchise can, of all time. I can concede well, that one of the top three franchises. I can of give all time. you that in that like he was probably a larger than life person. I will never know for sure just because like there's no way to like properly contextualize. Just make a time machine. <laughs> yeah, it's easy, <laughs> but there's no like way to properly contextualize how how people felt about him during that time. Just it's not possible. So like, I I have a hard time putting him in the top five over people I know for a fact. I like I've experienced them being larger than life. You know what I mean. So that's why my number five is Ronaldo because it's like it's the biggest sport in the world. He is the face of the biggest sport in the world, or at least he was for. I think he still is. You think we're not like we're pretty big Ronaldo fans? I I would still argue that he's still the face of soccer. While he's still playing, I think he'll still be the face of soccer. I'll tell you, I agree with you because he is my number four, Ronaldo. That's what I'm saying. I think he's more marketable than Messi too. I think. Messi's not even on my list. He's not, he's not on even, my list either. I, don't even think I understand that he's one of the biggest, but he's just not in the like. He's just known by the soccer Messi, world because Ronaldo, because bro. how good he is. But Ronaldo is like a bigger than life type of player, and I I don't get that essence from Messi. And FIFA is Ronaldo, like you know, like the games and stuff like that. People don't associate it with Messi as, as much as they do with Ronaldo, and just. I would say just Americans in general know so much more about Ronaldo, mostly because of his interested ties in playing in Major League Baseball. Uh, when his kind of when he's dwindling down in his career, he's already talked about that. So that the interest alone has already been marketed across the United States, and it's been murmured for like since I was in high school, basically. So the fact that his name has been, you know, passed around our nation so much, I think elevates his name to that higher. When I I, I view this this discussion largely through brands that these guys work with right so 
Ronaldo's with Nike. He's one of the faces of Nike. Messi's with Adidas. Would you say that Messi is one of the faces of Adidas, or did you just now find out that Messi was on Adidas, as I just told you that? I knew that, but I would say that James Harden is a bigger marketed name than Messi when it comes to Adidas, even. Are you saying that? Okay, so I'm I'm cautious saying stuff like that because we live in the West. That's true. No, I'll agree with you on that. I would like, obviously, they're going to market James Harden to, to people like us more heavily, but like, I don't know. Like, I. Is the first Mar- name okay, that I think no, here's of my when thing. it comes to Adidas Messi? No. The first person who comes to my who comes to mind when I think of Adidas is Kanye West. But um, when Nike has like top tier marketing, Adidas does not. I think that's important. That's I think a there's a reason. Deal. So that means the Nike standard is much higher, in my opinion. I like I think I think Adidas like. It's seen as a win from from it for Adidas when they can steal someone from Nike. You know what I mean? But not everyone can be on Nike and kind of like 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 flourish. Like Paul George is on Nike, and I think like I can. If you told me that he was no longer on Nike, I wouldn't notice. He's not a, like Paul George is not a marketable player. No, in much in, much at all in my opinion. No, you know not I mean? even a little bit. So it's like there are some people who who get that look and they and they can't really run anywhere with it. Kyrie Irving is a marketable player. Like like Kyrie Irving probably cracked my top ten. Like if I if I had to fully flesh this out, Kyrie Irving would be there. Super marketable player. He's a no, weirdo. Just because weirdos are just generally more marketable because they're just more in the public eye. I mean, like back uh, before he got like as weird as he used to be, though. Like, or as he as weird as he is now. I would like, even say Uncle Drew now. stuff. Yeah, Uncle Drew stuff. Yeah, that's just the his style of play is really like it's really entertaining and fun to watch. And to people, watch. Yeah. So, um, he's got like his name is awesome. Like someone named Kyrie like Kyrie is an awesome name you know so that's he probably gets an honorable mention from my team but Ronaldo is like you carry a sport you're pretty much the face of a sport and you're on you're on the you know the put up or shut up brand Nike is the put up or shut up brand if you can't make it on Nike you probably can't make it anywhere else like you know what I mean like Curry was (sighs) that's why Curry's not on my list actually people wear Under Armour's because people wear Under Armour shoes because of Curry but he hasn't elevated Under Armour as a He brand just pledged allegiance to the bag, basically, when it comes to Under Armour. Yeah, like, there was something, like, that Nike wouldn't let him put. His like, legacy with Nike would be, like, he would be in the top If Steph Curry two. was on Nike right now, he'd be over Tiger. <laughs> yeah. And I have Tiger on this list very high. I do, too. He'd be over Tiger, 100%. Anyway, let's move on. Who's your number four? That was my... Ronaldo. Oh, Ronaldo's your number four. My number four is LeBron. It's the same... It's, it's a similar argument. He's in my. He would be obviously in my top ten. Probably he's not. He didn't crack your top five. No, LeBron did not crack. You my didn't. Top five. You didn't put LeBron James over Babe Ruth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's so funny to me. <laughs> Just because there was a player during the beginning of LeBron's player that was bigger than him. It's very easy to measure with basketball players. That's why basketball players populate most of my top five. Like basketball is a very marketable sport. Not even, and that's like I, we we're talking about how you can't really. Uh, you can't really buy into how much we get marketed James Harden, but it's like basketball is a global sport. LeBron is a global figure in basketball. It's been the face of basketball for almost two decades now. It's crazy to think that, is it a stretch to say that LeBron was the most marketed, marketable player, like maybe of all time when he first joined Miami, like more than he is on the Los Angeles Lakers, I'm gonna, which is crazy. I'm going to, I'm going to show you something right now that, uh, att- like completely attests to that. You would think second. that being a part of the uh, probably the second biggest 
team in basketball wasn't as big as when he was with Miami Heat. Um, the LeBron eight South Beach, yeah, the shoe that kind of dropped as he, you know, announced that he was joining the Heat. Uh, was last sold for on StockX for seven hundred fifty dollars. Now, obviously, there are other like there are other shoes that'll go like really high, but like that is one of the most recognizable sneakers that Nike has ever made. That was also the probably South Beach the, LeBron. That first two years was probably the biggest. I'm gonna throw couple it up years right of basketball I think ever. I'm gonna throw it up right here. Actually, <laughs> hold on. One sec. No, like. I'm dead serious when I say it. Like the 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 South Beach LeBron, one of the most recognizable. Hold on, I'm about to throw him up on the screen right here. I'm forgetting how computers work. That sneaker right there. It's not even an iconic sneaker. Ultra like appealing shoe in my opinion. But the fact that it was LeBron, yeah, and the fact that it was this color, and the fact that it was the shoe that kind of embodied. The fact that he was joining the Miami Heat and he was about to win all these championships and shit like that, it's like made this one of the most popular. Like, I'm legitimately not playing around when I say this is one of the Nike's most popular shoes ever that they've ever made. So it's like, I don't like you can't be that guy and and not like and and for me not to consider you one of the most marketable athletes that have ever walked this earth. And just the fact like LeBron doesn't get the look. I feel like that. Guys uh, higher on the list will get just because he's he's less of the and he's less of the the endorsee and he's more of the guy who wants to make the the bigger decisions. That's why he he starts his own movie studio. He's got his own media company, all that stuff. He doesn't want to be the guy who gets paid from someone else to do that stuff. He wants to be the guy that pays other people to do that kind of stuff. So that's why I understand with him. Um, he probably could be. I think he could be the most marketable athlete of all time. Do you doubt that? Do you doubt that he could? For some reason, I do, and I, I don't know. I, I think he enjoys living a more private life than all the other names on our list. I just think he wants the autonomy of it, just being able to have in like exact control over over what it is. Like that, he's got very few sponsorships, like to where he's like the endorser. Like it's Sprite, and so I would I would imagine Sprite allows him a fair amount of liberty. And his Sprite campaigns have been very successful. The fucking want a Sprite cranberry thing. It was like a, a huge meme. Like, and the stuff with the Kia Optima, like I would say is like, that's probably one of Kia's more popular campaigns was like, oh, does LeBron actually drive the Kia Optima thing? Like, so he's very, I, I, I would say actually, he's very, yeah. exactly. So he's probably, he's, I would imagine he's very selective with, about the brands that he works with. So. I think if he really like wanted to be that kind of guy who was absolutely everywhere, he could. If he wins a championship this season, I think he will be the most marketable player of all time. Just because if he you win just a does championship it for with the Lakers, Lakers it's yeah. just. I think that takes you to a new height. All right, who's your number three? Tiger Woods. Wow! Wow! Who was your top two? I'm so curious now. <laughs> I'm so confused. I'm actually so confused. Explain to me why Tiger's number... I also have Tiger on my list. Why is he in your number three? Tiger Woods is baseball, like, forever. There's never been a player like Tiger Woods. I mean, golf. What did I say? You said baseball. Oh, shoot. I have baseball on my mind. <laughs> in golf. Even now, like... Tiger Woods is golf. And just 
the fact that he's still good, I think, at this age, like him winning a Masters was probably the biggest thing to happen in golf, like all like since his prime. <laughs> like his, the only thing you compare compare in terms of how big it was was only when he was as good as he was. Like that's how impactful he has been to the game and all the video games. Like very few players get video games based off of themselves, dude. Like. I wouldn't even say that John Madden is a marketable football coach, right? <laughs> but he just so happened to be the guy who gets like the the video game named after him. That's fine. He's like he's known more for the video game than he is for being a football coach. He's actually I just that's so funny that you mentioned that because I just watched a documentary on John Madden and he said him getting the the football video game Did, is like it was luck. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't <laughs> it, was, it like he could have been any guy with a with a a name that sounded catchy enough. Yeah. You know what I mean, but Tiger Woods was like, "Now we need Tiger Woods to launch this this golf." Game. EA, EA looked at Tiger, like looked at their golf game, and they're like, "We need to throw Tiger Woods' name on this in order yeah, for not, it to be successful." Not PGA, like one or whatever. P- PGA Tour 2001 would have just <laughs> it would have been any regular old game. The yeah. fact that it was Tiger Woods PGA Tour 2001 was what made it a popular game. The fact that Tiger Woods is on the cover with the red polo and the black hat and is like the classic Tiger look, like that's why that game like became what it was. People wanted to play as Tiger Woods and they wanted to buy the game with Tiger Woods face on it. And I Tiger Woods is on my list and I want to like <laughs> I'll probably just reiterate it when when we get around to that but just like people wanted to like argue with me that LeBron was more marketable than than Tiger and I'm like that's literally not LeBron I like I said is not even the second most marketable player in his own sport in my opinion and so I was like there's no way like I my, my biggest example for for Tiger was they put Tiger on the Gatorade bottle LeBron is not getting on the Sprite <laughs> bottle I bet you if LeBron asked they put him on a Sprite bottle but Tiger had an entire product line of Gatorade named after him. That's juice, dude. That is incredible influence. That's incredible market. But like, and the fact that it sells, it would sell. And I think that if if people do something based off what you did, like his fist pump is now like infamous with golf, basically, like almost in the same vein of like Randy Moss's getting mossed on. Like, if you are such an impactful player that you're remembered simply because of your, like, just that alone, mm-hmm. that is a, a testament to how marketable you are. And now anyone, anytime anyone hits a big putt, it's the fist pump. Mm-hmm. And you think of Tiger Woods immediately. I do it when I hit a big putt. So that's, okay, so that was your number three. Your number three was Tiger. My number three is along the same vein of what you just said. Uh, my number three was Kobe. Uh, God rest his soul, obviously, of course. Um, but Kobe was such a maverick as far as just being you <laughs> if Kobe didn't have a single sponsorship over his entire career you would still like he would still have the most the biggest like brand recognition of any basketball player I would think the only only symbol in basketball that is more iconic than like the word Mamba is the jump man and so like that's why like Kobe it's the same thing it was like t- the tiger fist pump you shoot a crumbled up piece of paper and everyone's like been talking about it like the past few weeks shoot a crumbled up piece of paper in a trash can you go kobe like that's what i like the his ad campaigns for nike were amazing he lot like dude if you talk about like you talk we we talked about Shaq offline how Shaq is pretty much everywhere and i think that 
me personally, that makes him a marketable, that makes him a very marketable figure, not a top five marketable figure. He's a top but, five most marketed player, but not marketable. Sure. I think he's a top five. I think he's in the top ten. Honestly, oh, for sure. I think, I still I think, think brands he's in the top ten because I think brands look at him and they see value in getting Shaq's name on something. Like Shaq is the face of. Icy Hot. Shaq is the face of the general insurance. Shaq is now the face of Papa John's Pizza. Like, that kind of thing, right? But for Kobe, like, he takes things that you, like, you you knew all of that stuff previously before Shaq put his name on it, right? All You knew all of those products, and you kind of, like, had an understanding of what they were. If you needed it, that's what you would get. With Kobe, like, what I think about with Kobe was, like, body armor, energy drink. He launched that. Like, that's, that is him. That's the body armor exists in my like lexicon exclusively because Kobe Bryant was like, this is this is what you need to drink if you want to be if you want to be like Kobe Bryant. You know what I mean? And you take that you take his Nike ad campaigns, the, the fucking Mamba system. Just the funniest commercials of all time, where he's got all these like oh, influential celebrities. He's got Kanye. He's got Aziz Ansari. He's got Tony Robbins. All these different people, and they're like taking a seminar from him about how to like embrace the mama mentality. The the puppets, the ad campaign with the Kobe puppets, like that stuff's iconic. And he's got like easily since Jordan, probably Nike's most consistent shoe line. Everyone wears Kobe's. Everyone in the league wears Kobe's. You know what I mean? And that was before, like, you know, obviously more players are going to wear them now out of respect. But even beforehand, it was like one of the easily one of the most popular shoes in the league. You know what I mean? So Kobe was just like, it, someone is a, synonymous with basketball, especially in the early two thousands for this gener for this generation of kids who, who came up watching the game. Kobe was basketball in the same way that Jordan was basketball for kids who were coming up in the nineties. So Kobe's my number three. All right, who was your number two now? Because I'm so curious. Because mine, like I said, mine was Tiger, and we just talked about it. Who is who? Who is more marketable than Tiger Woods for you? Brian Scalabrini. No. <laughs> <laughs> I would have walked out. <laughs> I wouldn't even waste the time calling you a racist. <laughs> Just walk out of the studio. <laughs> no, I, my number two is actually Kobe Bryant. Wow, Kobe over over Tiger. And uh, yes, like. I think Kobe's death has cemented him as, like, just elevated his his brand. And, and as much as I hate to say that, it's just the reality of business at this point. Like, his name is now forever elevated beyond anything now at this point. And I think his brand grows much larger now in his death. That's so... It's that morbid. I, <laughs> trust me, dude. It's just the nature of business. Well, damn. <laughs> and I, I have mourned for Kobe's. I didn't actually watch that. Uh, his, like, his, I didn't watch it. Because I, I had done my mourning for him, and I, I just, I couldn't stay with that content. And it's just, I, I know that his family is going to want to keep his brand going, too. Just, I wouldn't even say, okay, I want to, I want to differentiate. Because I feel like we get we get caught up in this, and when we have this conversation, is I want to want to differentiate someone's legacy from their brand. A brand is kind of an economic, like I like think his economic brand grows very high now, like much higher. I don't think people are like they're not going to sell Kobe shoes anymore and stuff like that. 
People are going to like pay when their this is respect. all settled, I think there's going to be a new line of Kobe shoes. Probably like way down the line when it's not really like looked at as like a scummy thing. Obviously, it's going to be like a thing and it's going to be popular down the road. Like I don't think that Nike's never going to sell a Kobe He's going to have a legacy again. line. Obviously, down the road, like yeah, they're gonna do that. Obviously, but that come that stuff, that kind of stuff comes in due time. But I think that like there are reasons why Kobe was uh, was and is one of the most marketable athletes of all time. But I don't think him dying is is one of those reasons. Honestly, I honestly think that like people it because obviously his name gets brought up or like people are going to talk about it and, and talk about his life and his legacy and all of the stuff he contributed to sports and culture and all of that kind of stuff. But I don't think that like that is intrinsically connect, like has an economic value as far as like marketability, you know? And I just, I, I would just, I would just say like, we, we should be like, we should just be more conscious about it. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's less of a thing about selling products it's just more about paying like the, the the conversation around Kobe right now is more about paying respect and, and and remembering how like all of the stuff he did while he was while he was alive you know what I mean I just think when all the dust settles like not of saying, course, I'm of not course. saying that it's right first of all let me say that I don't I'm not gonna be the I'm not gonna be the one selling Kobe Bryant based gear I'm just saying that when the dust settles and Nike's board of directors no I know why you no and I I know why you say that is because we've 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 kind of seen stuff like that happen like we live in we live in Las Vegas and we have the Las Vegas shooting and then you go every every two blocks uh, and you see the hashtag Vegas strong t-shirts for $25 I've said that on a a few forums I just and you just don't know where I hated that saying yeah it's fine like it's it because because it's like i it made me uncomfortable too because like <laughs> because it was kind of like the it became the, a profitable thing. no 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 because it, it was kind of the thing that they kind of did what every time uh a certain region or something like that something bad happens you just slap strong at the end of wherever it happened you know what i mean boston strong houston strong it's like it's kind of like a generalization and it doesn't really like i understand it's a thing that for people to unify under for them to like feel a sense of comfort but like Again, at the same time, people are like selling it, and you don't know where the money's going, and that like. So I understand why you think that about Kobe, but I think this is different. I, I honestly do think this is different. There's obviously always going to be those kinds of people who are gonna try and like. There are people who who went to that at the Staples Center, his his the celebration of him him and his daughter's life, and excuse me, they were like selling the pamphlets on ebay and stuff like that obviously that kind of stuff is scummy and bad but i don't know like there was kobe was one of the most marketable players in the world and it's because he was such a a larger than life personality when he was here so um all right you're number one i think we're we probably in agreement i think we concur here (laughs) it's jordan it's michael jordan it's jordan it's just easy right like bigger than life like built his own brand by himself like and that brand is now one of the biggest brands in so the like, world. So, like, yeah, when we talk about someone being the face of their sport, there is no one who was the face of their sport for longer or just so intrinsically linked to it the way Jordan was. It's just the Jumpman is one of the biggest cultural figures and icons or, or logos or symbols ever in, like, human history. I'm not even, like... Like you would put it up there with like the cross, dude. Honestly, <laughs> I'm dead serious, dude. Yeah. I am dead serious. I don't care if it sounds sacrilegious. The jump man is almost as equally recognizable of a symbol as the Christian like cross. 
I'm like globally. I'm being dead serious. That's how much of a reach Jordan had. Like again, to this day, it's still the most like Kawhi Leonard signed with Jordan Brand. So yeah, back just, in the day, yeah. And I'm just saying, like that name, like the names that even just the brand is able to get. It's, now. Like, it's like it's like you're being like when when a guy signs to Jordan, it's like you're being knighted, pretty much. Yeah, like Russell it's Westbrook signs. You got like Russell Westbrook, you had signed. You had Chris Paul, who had signed. You had Carmelo. You had all these guys who were like it used to, like Jordan Brand has changed since, but it used to be like a very exclusive club of basketball players, and it was for people who kind of like had that respect for Jordan and were looking for like. And and that getting that cosign that that Jordan Brand like endorsement was like, oh, you are officially on the greatest basketball player of all time. You're on his radar. You know what I mean? And then Nike was obviously for guys who obviously who like wanted to make more of their own name for themselves. Guys like LeBron, guys like Kobe, and stuff like that. So, but Jordan, it's just like I don't know how you argue anything other than him being the most marked. Like, just all of the campaigns. All of the different moments that he gave us in specific shoes that we specifically link to through the shoes he was wearing, there are shoes that he has that are just literally named after moments that he did something absolutely incredible in them. It's like a pair of 13s called the playoffs. A pair of the black and red Jordan 12s are literally just called the flu game 12s because those are shoes he was wearing when he dropped. He was hung over that game. <laughs> That's my theory. He got he got a the beat up by his, say that is because the announcer said he had the flu. He got jumped by his bookie the night before. <laughs> he probably was gambling and drunk all night. I'm just saying you talk about someone no, who's I'm kidding, but yeah. who's larger than life. Yeah. There's bigger no the one there is yeah, he was bigger than basketball. He held the the entire basketball world in his hands. You had one of the greatest rivalries of all time, like right when he joined the league in Bird and Magic, and as soon as it's he started taking immediately over, gone became about him. Like that doesn't happen. That hasn't happened. That never happened before him, and I don't know if it'll ever. That happen was the again. biggest rivalry in basketball history, and it was subsided immediately when he came to the scene. So think about the height of LeBron versus Curry, which is probably the closest thing we've gotten since then, right? What do you think? What is the closest, like the biggest basketball LeBron to? LeBron going to Miami. Would... So maybe LeBron and the Celtics, right? Or something yeah, like that. Something as far as like just that. like heated rivalries. I'll probably get crucified for saying like it was like LeBron. Someone will probably be like, oh, it's the Kobe and the Lakers or something like that. Or Kobe and the Celtics or something like that. As far as take the, okay, but. That was such the, a the gist of it, thing. The gist of it is take take the biggest rivalry of the modern era, just either between two players, two teams, a group of players, something. Take that heated rivalry that captured everyone's attention so, like, like so much, so significantly, and then imagine like Zion Williamson comes in and like just immediately makes it all about him. Like you can't even picture that. Like how good would Zion have to be? He would have to be even better than he is right now, and he's obviously he's already putting up historic numbers. For them, for them to just he's a completely, big name, but he like look, Michael was even bigger. To than demand that. so much attention that it just like the the spotlight is automatically taken off something that like has been tried and true in the league for years, and then to and to put it on you. Like you think about how hard of a task that would have to be in 2020. And Jordan did that amongst one of the historic rivalries in the history of the sport. 
There's not even something that, like I said, we were trying to find something that really even compared to, to Magic and Bird back at like in this in the contemporary era of basketball, and we can't really even f- find something that that matches up. But the fact that we like the fact that you have fucking <laughs> you had this guy that came in and just immediately just stole the spotlight and never gave it back for like 15 years after that till he went to the wizards there's no one else man yeah, there's crazy. no one else yeah by the time by the time uh mike went to the wizards it was kobe's time right so michael jordan was and is the most marketable basketball player like the mar- most marketable athlete of all time i don't think you can dispute that do you like would you like to throw any honorable mentions out there i have uh, one i did my honorable mention Kyrie was my honorable mention um i would say odell beckham is also an honorable mention odell beckham in his height uh was the face of football i think i think pat mahomes is on his way too though tom brady should definitely be tom there. brady for sure if we're gonna talk like it's just harder for football players it's, it's just inherently harder they wear, you wear a helmet <laughs> yeah it's yep. literally what it it's is just inher- it's inherently harder uh bo jackson bo I think jackson of course should definitely be mentioned i think ken griffey jr as well if we're going to talk more baseball players ken griffey jr crossed the the sporting barriers in my opinion like i said people were wearing his his sneakers to hoop in so that's a that it's a it's a very interesting conversation that you can have you know what i mean people have different definitions of it so it's hard to make one concrete one but i'm saying like you know influence and legacy and all of that stuff they all kind of go hand in hand but there are specific things that kind of like set them apart and that's kind of what formed my list so it's a fun debate so if i recommend maybe or Derek jeter that's also another jeter's up there he's definitely up there but yeah so it's a fun debate to have with friends and uh yeah I think, is that it i think that's gonna wrap it up today um you can follow us on social media twitter at delivering sport instagram at delivering sports we're on youtube and anywhere you listen to podcasts um follow spencer on twitter at spencer the Wiz. follow me on twitter at kevin omo underscore follow at blue milk boys we're gonna have a new episode coming out this weekend on the second episode of season seven of uh, star wars the clone wars and another fun segment that i'm gonna have to think of before, <laughs> between now and when we actually end up recording so uh make sure you head on over there for all your star wars fun but uh as always guys thank you so much for tuning in to episode seven of delivering sports yeah episode six was our biggest episode yet so let's try to break the barrier again let's keep it going yeah thanks so much for listening guys we'll see you next time peace